Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This show is all about art, craft, and creativity, and I produce it weekly in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. Hi, and welcome to episode 35 of Craft Sanity. I'm very excited about today's show. Not long ago, I had an opportunity to have just a lovely chat with Melinda Barda. She is the author of Hip to Stitch, 20 Contemporary Projects Embellished with Thread. This is an Interweave publication, and Melinda is actually on the Interweave staff. She is the assistant managing editor at Beadwork and Stringing Magazine. She works at both magazines, and she used to work over at Piecework and kind of just recently shifted over to the beading side of town. She is going to share the story of how she has been able to go directly from art school. She has a BFA from Colorado State University in fiber art. Melinda is going to share the story of how she made the transition right from college to an artistic paying job. So she's 26. She lives in Fort Collins, Colorado, and she is an accomplished embroiderer. She is going to talk to us about just the path she's taken from college to professional world and a little bit about some of the, the projects she likes to do. Stick around and you'll hear how you can win one of two copies of her book that Interweave is donating and she's also going to personalize those. So that's exciting. So you won't just get a book. You're going to get an autographed personalized book. So it's going to be extra special. Also, after the show, check out craftsanity.com or what the heck, just pause and check it out now and uh, check out the free pattern that Interweave is letting us post. It's a how-to for an embroidered ribbon project that's in Melinda's book. So it'll give you kind of a preview of what the book contains, and it's a really great project. So without further ado, let's get to that interview. I'd like to give listeners an idea of how you got into crafting in general. It sounds like you were pretty young when you got into it. When I was young, I remember making ornaments and different just little stitched gifts for my grandparents. And then, um, I think it's when I was in high school, I noticed my sister, she embroidered her jacket. It was falling apart, and so she started stitching the little sides that were starting to fray. Yeah. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. <laughs> you know, that big sister's always make an impression on the little sister. So did you start embroidering your jacket as well? Um, I didn't do my jacket. I actually started stitching some sandals. <laughs> sandals? Yeah, and then, I, and then I remember embroidering a gift for a teacher. We went on a bike trip to England. And, wow, um, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, into Wales. And so we were looking at all these really cool Celtic knots. So I remember stitching her a little pattern. And then I didn't craft with embroidery for quite a few years. And then I, when I went to Colorado State University, I took a fiber arts class. I originally went there to do graphic design and to fulfill the art requirement. Um, I took a fibers class, and I just fell in love with it. And I didn't do any art in high school or anything, but, you know, as for, like, formal training, I didn't take any art classes. But uh, when I took that fibers class, I just, it was just the best thing ever. And um, the teacher, Tom Lundberg, he's, he's a really, really good embroidery artist. He's, you know, kind of shown all over the country. So he was just such a great resource for me and just a, a great inspiration. Was the emphasis in his class on embroidery, or did you do other other fiber arts? You know, actually, we, we did a little bit of everything. There was one semester where we um, did embroidery, but even then it incorporated other techniques. So we did um, weaving, screen printing, batik, dyeing, pretty much anything. So all a that lot of fun beating. stuff. Yeah, it, it was fun. You just get to play all day. And then I got to be a teacher assistant, so I got to take a lot of those classes kind of twice. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, so I got experience helping people out and teaching it and just, you know, learning more about ins and outs of it. I mean, if people haven't had the experience of taking a fiber art class at the college level, it's amazing. Uh, I think my life would be entirely different if I would have taken the fiber art class my freshman year. Instead, I took it the last semester of my senior year. And I absolutely fell in love with it as well. And I had always been, you know, in art and craft, but, you know, and for me it was too late because I was already, 
I had a job lined up in journalism and uh-huh. I knew that, you know, I was, that wouldn't be the last of the fiber arts for me. But yeah, I, I, I think my life would have been so different because it sounds like your life, if you would have taken in that class your senior year, you might be a graphic artist right now instead yeah. of yeah. embroidering up a storm here. But we're glad things yeah. <laughs> turned out the way they did because your book is beautiful and oh, it, I, I'd you. hate to think what would happen, what the world would do if you weren't stitching. So yeah. Aww. So it sounds like that really kind of set you on the path. I mean, did you know right away that you were going to try to make a career out of using the fiber art? I mean, was it an immediate decision? Um, no, I didn't know right away. I When I was getting closer to graduation, I was getting a little nervous, you know, just um, I wanted to stay in the area. And, and I knew I, I wanted to use my art degree, but at the same time, I knew that I really needed to, you know, dive into a career. And I just, I really love working with people and I'm, kind of a workaholic so <laughs> when I when I found a job that was just so intense and so close to home that I just it was just a great experience so how I got started is in college I did an internship with Interweave Press and so I got a lot of experience I worked a little bit with handwoven magazine and a little bit with beadwork but mainly I was working with spin-off magazines so I learned to spin and um, just work really close with the editor and then when I graduated, a position opened up with Peacework Magazine. Since so I worked with Peacework Magazine for a little over three years as project editor, and that magazine was just like a great transition between my schooling and what my interests were really in, because I don't know if you're familiar with Peacework, but it's textile history and needlework. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's right up your alley there. Yeah, yeah. because in school, I had um, worked closely. CSU has a large costume collection. Okay, so you're and, into yeah. the historical aspects as well. Yeah, yeah, and conservation actually this afternoon, I'm going to go help teach a class at a local quilt store on how to care for textiles. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it tied in with an article we did for Piecework, and then also my experience at CSU volunteering in the costume collection and learning all about archiving and just different costumes throughout the ages and textiles from all over the world. It's quite an amazing collection. Well, that's fantastic. So you, you right away kind of got, you graduated at a good time because you were able to get that job. Yeah. And you're still with Interweave. How long have you been there now? How many years have you been there? Um, I've been there probably about three and a half. And so just last month, I transitioned over to beadwork and stringing magazine. Okay. And I feel like I'm kind of just coming full circle because I did a lot of beading in my final fiber art projects for CSU. And so now I'm getting to work more with beads again, and I still get to work closely with piecework. So it's just been a great relationship. Oh, and then at the beginning of this year... I edited a book on beading, and that's how I really got into it. I love technical editing. <laughs> so, yeah, because that involves trying out all the projects, right? Yeah. To make well, sure they work? Or... Yeah, we don't always get to sit around and stitch all day, but there are definitely, you know, tricky projects where you need to just sit down and work them out and make sure the stitches are going the right direction. <laughs> It'd be wonderful if you could find a way to just work all day on, you know, art and crafts. Sometimes people have an illusion, too, that if you're working in the art or craft industry that it's fun and games nonstop, but there's actually some probably not as exciting parts that you have to do, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's definitely always the emails and, and all that, but it's just... It's fun to always get to talk to people who are interested in making things or having a tricky spot in a project and just want to talk to someone through the steps and instructions. So you're currently with the Beating uh-huh. Magazine? Okay. Yeah. And it sounds like you this is working out really well. I mean, that you're in a career that you can blend your art background and actually have a paycheck because I think that's something that art students worry about quite a bit. Yeah. Is that you want to do what you love, but you want to be able to afford to live. Yeah. Yeah, and I just feel lucky working with Interweave Press because there are so many books and magazines and great products that come out of that company that they're always resources. You know, we always have the new books and the new magazines around, and it's just it's awesome to be able to just, you know, feel like you can kind of stay in the, you know, updated with the newest crafts. I mean, there's always more to learn, but... It's good to be surrounded by it every day. Well, in your current role, you actually get to develop your own projects. Do you have time for that and put your own projects in the magazine? Yeah, um, if we do our own projects, we usually do those at home at night. We don't have time usually to work on them at work. But, yeah, when we have big submission meetings, we get to, you know, throw in our own projects. And 
Well, that's wonderful. So then you're still feeling like you're involved in the actual uh, creative process of what goes in and sharing your expertise with your readers. So that's that's yeah. fun. Yeah, like there was um, one instance at Piecework where we had an article on historic embroidered knife sheaths from England. Yeah. And we thought, oh, that would be the coolest project, but we were close to our deadline and we just we weren't sure who would do it. And my sister's wedding was coming up, and I'm like, oh, that would be the coolest thing. So I embroidered this knife sheath that went over, like, her cake-cutting knife, and she lives in Alaska, so, and their state flowers forget-me-nots. Yeah. So I just now, embroidered your... this whole thing with forget-me-nots. Now, is that in your book, too? Um, no, it wasn't. It was in piecework, but it's all, it's on the journal page of my website. Okay, I knew I saw that just recently. It must, yeah, I did see that on your website, because I'm like, wait, I, I've seen this project. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty bizarre object. I mean, <laughs> but when you when it's related to that historical story, you kind of realize what it's all about. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because it's not something that I would really think of. Like, oh, I gotta have one of these for my wedding. You know. Yeah. yeah. But um, but that's the but that's the beauty of working in a creative environment where you can say, oh yeah, I have some reason to do this. You know, and uh, to have it turn out so well. And how did that go over at the wedding? What did your sister think? Oh, she thought it was pretty cool sent her a copy of Piecework, and I said, see page 40 for your gift. I thought it would be a surprise, and then she was looking at my website because the picture was posted on the website before the magazine got to her uh, her house in Alaska. <laughs> and so she actually saw it online for the first time. It was pretty fun, and actually I got married just about eight weeks ago. And oh, I congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> well, eight weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Did you marry an artistic guy? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of stuff is he into? Well, he's more into music. He plays the piano and the guitar, and he, he does some graphic stuff on the computers. So is he like a composer? Uh, yeah, he music? does write and, and make his up his own songs. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Well, that must be really wonderful to, to be in such a creative relationship. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And we grew up in the mountains together. It's fun to just, you know, go back up into the mountains and have a, a nice mutual love for that so we try to get out of town every weekend we can well that's great so you've known him since childhood yeah well he remembers my sister more from high school but (laughs) but we started dating when he graduated college but we had been friends for probably you know six years before we even started dating well that's great because you have then a history yeah that makes it easy so you don't have to debate where you're going for christmas because exactly you know where you're going for christmas the same place yeah so excellent well, I know that you've had all these just amazing experiences, I mean, with TV. I wanted to ask you, because you've been on that show, oh, Craft yeah. Corner Deathmatch. Yeah, Craft Corner Deathmatch. Uh, I was a judge, and that was the first time I was on TV. And I thought, oh, no, I'm, you know, I would get all nervous about being on TV. And then the host was just the funniest guy ever. And so every time he'd ask me a question, I was, like, trying not to laugh and actually, you know, spit the words out. <laughs> <laughs> But I, that show was so much fun. And then you've also been on DIY. Yes, I actually went on the scrapbooking show. And then what's coming out right now is the new show Uncommon Thread. I have heard about it. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. The, the idea of that show is that you go on there with a group of friends. It really focuses on the craft community. So you have a lot of like small guilds go on there together. Okay. And they have this couch where everyone does their little crafts on. And then one member of the group of friends gets up and demonstrates the project. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I went on there with a few friends and uh, we took turns demonstrating and... It was fun. And were these friends that you just have made things with from childhood? Or, I mean, I don't know how long you've been with your group of crafty friends. Yeah, well, this group, they're mainly college friends, and a lot of them recently had moved away. Oh, so you had to reconvene. Yeah, so we actually got to meet back up in California. Oh, how fun. do the show, yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. What a great opportunity. Yeah. Obviously, embroidery is one of your fortes, but are there other things that you consider yourself equally adept at? Yeah, I'd say beading. Yeah. Beading would be the, the main one. I've dabbled in a lot of different things, but, you know, as to which ones I'm more intense in, is definitely be beading. And then, I guess, knitting would probably be third. Now, do you do quilting and other other art forms as well? Yep, yeah. So you're pretty much into everything, it sounds like. Yeah, it's kind of hard, because there are a lot of things you want to do, but you feel like you don't have time for. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and sleep is important. Yeah. <laughs>
What projects are you working on right now? Well, right now, I actually um, I have a small little studio area in the house, and I'm working on just trying to kind of clean that up, <laughs> yes. go through all my old stuff. But the last project I finished, I'm actually doing a correspondence course with the Embroiderers Guild of America, and it's on gold work. And so there are um, three really intense lessons learning how to work with gold. It was fun. It's really challenging. I mean, I'm used to kind of free-form embroidery where you can just put your stitch wherever you want. But with the gold, it's, I mean, I just have so much respect for, for all those embroidered pieces you see in the museum because you really need to make sure exactly where your couching thread is. And the couching thread is like really, really thin silk. And the idea is that you're not supposed to see it. You don't want to dull the, the gold thread. And so... That's beautiful for the finished piece, but while you're stitching it, it's really hard to see. I mean, I have those daylight lamps and everything, and it's still hard to place each stitch. But the last assignment, I got to work with all these different materials. They have, like, it's called pearl check, and it's pretty much the strand of twisted gold wire, and you can cut them into small pieces and make them into beads. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I could choose to do like a butterfly, a bird, or something else. So I did this butterfly just all in gold. Well, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, it was pretty intense. <laughs> then do you have to, you send it in and they evaluate your work? Is that how that works? Yep, exactly. And then do you get some kind of master certification? Yeah, well, you have to do a whole series of classes before you can become a certified teacher. Mm-hmm. And that I would like to do that eventually. The classes are just pretty intense. I'd probably spread them out more. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it really takes your full attention to, yeah. to, to be able to do that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely detailed work. Now, you mentioned that you're teaching a class today about the preserving, uh, is it for quilters at the quilt store? Yeah. But well, it's, yes. It's at the quilt store. We have a really great quilt store in town, but it's actually covering all different types of textiles. We're taking items from that costume collection I mentioned before. Oh, yeah. And showing people, like, how you should store these. You know, make sure you use acid-free tissue paper and stuff them in the sleeves and um, the kind of boxes they should be stored. And we ran a large article in Piecework magazine all about how to care for those textiles. So we're going to have two curators there, one from that costume collection and another one from the local museum. And they're going to talk all about caring for the items. And then I'm going to teach a small part on how to repair quilts. Wow. It sounds like you stay really busy. So, yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're, is your job full-time during the week? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And so you're, you're, then you're developing your own projects after hours uh-huh. and then teaching. And how often do you teach? Well, let's see. This fall I have four classes. And those are just like small things on Saturday or during the afternoon, but I'm trying to do more teaching now that I have more time and I'm not out, um, you know, promoting the book as much doing TV stuff. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get into it more. Well, it sounds like you're good at it since you're, I mean, you have this, um, I know you're good at explaining things and I can kind of picture what you're talking about. Um, it just says you're describing it to me. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Do you ever want to teach at the college level, do you think? I don't know if I'd, yeah, maybe eventually. Because right now it sounds like you enjoy the, the small groups at the stores or shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, I really like being with the shops and the shop owners. I always thought it'd be really fun to own a craft shop, but sometimes you get really tied down. I went to, a, I guess it was embroidery and knitting. Well, they pretty much covered everything, but it's this shop in Alaska. Uh-huh. And it, it was just so cool, and the shop owners were so fun that, I mean, that made me think of, oh, wow, I'd really like to, you know, try to have a shop because it was just inspiring to see that, you know, they're able to do all the inventory type stuff you were saying, but plus develop projects. And they had like a, a regular group of ladies that would come, I think, once a week and just work on projects together. Well, I, I never will give up that thought that I yeah. want to have a shop, um, whether or not I do it. You know, probably now is not a great time with two children under three. Yeah. That would be just not a shop anyone would want to come into, you know, hearing crying, you know. Yeah. And I have a gigantic dog, you know, so um, my Alaskan male mute. So, I mean, it would be, now is not the right time. But I, I think, it sounds like you, you'd be intrigued by the whole concept of a shop that had not just embroidery, but pretty much everything. A mix. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my yeah. problem, too, is I'd want everything under the sun in the shop and 
it'd be interesting to see what kind of clientele you would draw if it's not just knitting, if it's knitting and embroidery and everything else. But who knows? That it, but yeah, don't don't give up that thought because yeah, know. I won't. Yeah, because I you think you're right though. Down the road, you know, when when we're older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I find that you know, yeah, I think maybe that'll be the next phase of my life. But yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's so great about the crafting community is that. I, I've, I have not run into anybody who is, like, really rude. Most people are happy when they're crafting unless something unfortunate happens and they make a mistake and have to tear something out or whatever. But um, it's really nice to, to be with people that enjoy the things that, that we enjoy. And yeah, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a hobby. It's definitely something that people add into their life. It's not like something they have to do to pay the bills or <laughs> anything like that. It's they, And they say that... Um, no matter what's going on in the world, even in, in times of um, war or whatever, that people will always do what they're passionate about. So they'll always keep crafting or if they're into cooking or, you know, whatever their passion is, that's, they always stay true to that. Well, have you noticed out in your neck of the woods that people are, when you go into the shops, um, I know in my experiences here when I take classes or go into the shops, you hear little bits of conversation where people are, talking about current events and and I know sometimes it's frustrating when we don't have control as individuals you know what our government does or what foreign governments do and and it's it's sometimes really I mean it's stressful because you're like okay there are bombs dropping and there are people shooting each other and even in some of our own city streets this is happening you know where there's gang violence and so forth but what I find that's so interesting is that whether people agree with the politics, people don't really come in and say, hi, I'm a Republican, or hi, I'm a Democrat, or yeah. I'm independent. But it's interesting how there's this common communal spirit of just people making things. And it almost seems like when times are, there's something very sad or stressful going on in people's lives. I know personally, you know, I have crafted my way through some of the, like, the worst moments of my life because I just felt like I had no control of anything and I had to, like, I had to make things. And kind of that was my way of taking control back. Yeah, in, it's in a your, way to get your quiet time in. Yeah, I mean, what kind of role has this played in your life, would you say, the, the stitching that you do? It's just an escape from the everyday, you know. Everything just seems so hectic or you just feel so tired out from work or whatever and you can just kind of veg out. You can just pop in a movie and stitch. And, and I really like making little gifts for people. Like if you know someone's going through a hard time, that it, it just giving a handmade gift I mean, makes people feel so much better than, you know, trying to buy them something commercial or whatever. I mean, it just shows that you re really think about that person and really care for what they're going through. Or And then I have one friend that comes over and we make things together. And it's just a great way to just, you know, get to wind down and, you know, like decompress and just talk about everything. It's kind of like how we just keep getting back to the community of crafting that no matter what's going on, that... And like you said, no matter what your beliefs are or whatever, just the fact that people get together and get to talk through what's on their mind, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a great release. And then you end up creating something, you know, that's an expression of that. Right. And it, well, it's, it's also a tangible use of time. You know, when we watch movies, I will never watch a movie these days unless I'm doing some kind of craft or something. I love it when at the end of the movie, I might have like a booty made or a sock halfway done you know I mean it's really kind of cool and women are like the ultimate multitaskers <laughs> well especially now I think women you have so many choices and while that's wonderful it also means that sometimes we don't want to put anything down I know that's my biggest issue is that I want to do everything I want to craft I want to be you know active in the workplace I yeah. want to be a good mom I want a podcast I mean so, <laughs> so yeah I think we're all into and it sounds like you're into tons of stuff too yeah. And you're only eight weeks into your marriage, but, um, you know, you've added that to your list, too. Do you think you'll ever get your husband into crafting? Well, you know, he, I have a loom, and I bought it when I first graduated college. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to use it right away, but I just knew that when I was, like, 50 years old that I would just, I would want this loom. So I did whatever I could, and I saved my money, and I bought it. And I've only used it a couple times since. And then when I started my book, I was just, you know, nothing but stitching. There just wasn't time for the other stuff. Right. So he always says that that he'll start weaving. But he got uh, the piano that he grew up with. And so now the loom is going to have to go in the garage for a while. Oh, it's being <laughs> so replaced So he chose the, the piano. piano of the loom for now. Yeah, now, what kind of loom do you have? 
Um, I have one of the Mighty Wolves. It's a oh um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It folds up. It's really nice. It's it's called yeah four now four later. So I can always add the four extra harnesses. If yeah, yeah. I have um yeah I have a floor loom that's forty six inch, and that's it, down in my craft room now. And I in the last couple of years I have not I've barely done any weaving. But I used to weave. I bought mine right after I graduated from college too. I uh, paid off my co- college loans and and decided, okay, I'm gonna buy myself a loom and made like I would weave several hours a day. Like I come home from work and just weave. Oh, I was so writing crazy, about. Isn't it? <laughs> I was well. It was I needed that because I was writing about death and destruction as a reporter. Oh. I started as a cop reporter, and you know embezzlement would be a good day. You know if I'm writing about embezzlement. Oh man. So I bought this loom and so you once you get into it, it's so addictive. Yeah, it definitely is. It's really, and then you'll be able to do all kinds of cool stuff, embellishing with your stitching capabilities. So that's yeah, I exciting. Hope to make more room for it so I can get it back in the house now. But. Yeah. Well, at one point, my husband and I actually we had a two-bedroom apartment, and I had my loom against one wall, and he had the computer desk, like where <laughs> he would see he'd sit there, and we were like. I'm serious, like back to back. I mean, we had probably like maybe six inches. Oh, that's funny. Or like eight inches in between like my bench for my loom and his chair for his computer. And it's just insane to think that we somehow fit all that stuff in. But he really wanted to be on the computer. I really wanted to leave. And, you know, I, we made a way to figure it out. But it wasn't real good when guests would come over. Yeah, they kind of look you... in there and be like, what's going on in there? And they're like, well, yeah. you know. That's where we work. Yeah, well, that's a good quiet time to spend together, too. So your journey as an artist has been something that you didn't really set out to do early on. I mean, you knew you always loved art and craft. A lot of us who are not working full-time in the arts think, wow, if I could work full-time in the arts, could there be anything better? But then at the same time, I've heard people say that, you know, when you do work full-time, your whole life is consumed by artistic things. Does the art form lose anything is it not as fun to sit down and stitch or in your experience what it what has that been like for you has it lost its luster at all no to me that that's never really happened because while we're at work I mean it's still definitely a business you know there customer questions and emails and like um, when I was working for piecework I was constantly calling museums around the world to get images of you know pieces from their collection Mm -hmm. and there were you know, a few times, and even now with uh, beadwork, there, you know, there'll be times where I will, you know, get a little bit of downtime to do some designing. But overall, we really stick to doing that kind of stuff at home. You know, and then like I was saying, how we, it's great how we have access to all these different publications, and a lot of times we just take those home and borrow those and just, you know, try to wind down and not, not get too overwhelmed by anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you you have like a great mix and a great balance in your life of, you know, the day job work that's still related to the arts and also a great opportunity to, show, to showcase your work. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> well, I'd like to talk about this awesome book that you have out, okay. um, Hip to Stitch, 20 Contemporary Projects Embellished with Thread. Even the cover is inviting. I love these buttons on the cover. They're just excellent. Maybe can you talk a little bit about the process did you have a, an idea for a book, or did they approach you and say, hey, Melinda, let's get some of that good stuff you can do out <laughs> in print here? Yeah, actually, I, w- I was lucky, and it was, it was the latter there. There are three books part of the series, and Hip to Knit had come out, and it was doing great, and then Hip to Crochet was being written. And um, since my book, has, Hip to Bead, has been published, and so they knew they wanted to do an embroidery version, so they did hip to stitch. So when I graduated college, my professor said, you know, Interweave Press is, is looking for an author to do this embroidery book, and, you know, I, I thought of you. And, and they'd, you know, they'd be interested in seeing a book proposal from you, and I'm like, oh, wow, I was just, I was floored, you know? Yeah. And I... I knew it would be a lot of work and it'd be pretty stressful, but it was just an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And so I started writing the book proposal, and I actually helped them with another book. There was a book that they needed uh, stitch samples created for. Mm-hmm. 
So there was a weekend where a whole bunch of us went out to the publisher. She's the president now, but we went out to her house and we worked on making all these samples for this book. And we just got chatting about the book. And that's when I heard that there was an opening for the piecework job. Mm-hmm. And so this would have been probably four months after I graduated college. I applied for the piecework job, turned in my book proposal for Hip to Stitch, and then I got offered the piecework job, then I reworked the Hip to Stitch book proposal, and then started working on that. And it took me almost a year to do the whole thing because I stitched all the samples. My mom actually helped me stitch um, a couple of them, and there was a friend at work helped me helped me stitch another, but... Pretty much, I'd come home every night and work on the samples and write the instructions. I really worked on outside of work, so I would come home and work on it, stay up late, and then in the morning, I'd get up and I'd go to a coffee shop and write the instructions before I went into my actual, you know, day job. Wow. Yeah, so it was really intense. I would definitely do it again. It's a commitment. Well, the finished product is wonderful. Um, I think the instructions, I have not had a chance to try out any projects yet, but I have tons bookmarked here of what I want to try. And I just love, I mean, you start with everything from, you know, starting your stitch reference needle storage book, which is really just a great idea to have. Now, do you have uh, a reference book for yourself? Like when you were in college, did you have samples that you'd organize this way? Um, No, not samples that way. I mean, yeah, I guess I do have an old fabric that I used to practice the different stitches on. Mm-hmm. But when I was thinking the book, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to just do a sampler where people practice these stitches, but, you know, create something while you're at it. So I made that little book, and then the pages are made of felt, and those are actually, the felt pages are really good for your needles because they keep them kind of greased. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you're in a climate where your needles tend to get rusty, that, that it'll help keep them in good shape. And then I try to really appeal to different audiences and different people's interests in the book, like how there's one project that's machine embroidery and there's another project that incorporates a little bit of scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. And I was glad I did that scrapbooking one because then I got to go on that DIY scrapbooking show. Well, yeah, that and that's the one that's – the, and describe a little bit about this project because this is not a typical scrapbooking project. This is really, really interesting how you – if you could talk a little bit about that particular oh. project. Yeah, and it's it's not actually um, too much of a typical embroidery project either. And actually, this kind of relates to the class I'm going to go teach this afternoon about the historic textiles. Is There are a lot of families that have quilts that are just torn to pieces, and you, know, you could have one person keep it in their closet and see if the next generation will actually keep it around or, right. or not. But I always thought it would be fun to just take scraps of some of the quilts and just disperse them between the family so everybody can have a piece of it. And so I thought, oh, we could do this little scrapbook where you almost, you know, record your family tree through textiles because textiles keep such a story. I mean, I, I can think of some of my favorite prints from dresses when I was a kid. Oh, or, yeah. Um, my friend has a quilt block her mother made her, and, I mean, she can name the exact dress that the tiny little square of fabric came from. And then in the project, not all of the textiles are stitched down to the paper. Some of them are stored in little acid-free envelopes. So you can still, like, pull out a piece of edging and feel it and and play with it and, you know, still connect to the past in in the physical way, you know? And I'm even thinking of, when I looked at this project, I immediately thought of a kind of a modern twist to not only do some historical documentation of fabrics that have been key in my life and in, you know, the people before me in my family, but also with children. I, I was thinking, geez, I have some you know, clothes that either they're handmade or they're clothes that are just so darling, and I have just fond memories of them. It'd be kind of neat to, if I do some quilting with them, but also maybe save some scraps and put them into a book like this and document and actually write down you know, yeah. the history yeah, and great. what the events. Because that's the thing with quilts is a lot of times, I mean, if you make a quilt, you know, and then the next generation would know. But beyond that, you know, some of that information is lost. So your idea is fabulous okay. and has many applications. It doesn't have to be historical fabric. Yeah, it's family. like we all keep photo albums, but, you know, why not slide a piece of fabric in, into one of the sleeves? Because often that brings back more memories, I think, than, than a photograph does. Oh, and sure. e- even the smell of it. I mean, there's just, just being able to touch it and feel it. It, just, it evokes so many more senses. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's a wonderful idea. And what inspired this project? Actually, there is a picture of it in the book. is my grandmother's handkerchief. Yeah, I, I, just, I was actually just looking at page oh, 43. Cool. Yeah. yeah, there's a big hole on the inside of it. Okay. And I didn't really want to cut it up. I thought of incorporating it in different projects. But, and I love, actually love the hole in the center of it. So I just folded it in half and stitched it right onto the paper. And then I you know, documented which grandma I got it from. And <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. So your scrapbook must be just so awesome. Are you going to continue, you think, documenting things like this? Yeah, I definitely want to add to it. And those photo albums are really cool because um, the brand I use, you can expand them. You can either use little metal metal poles or you can use a ribbon on the spine. Yeah, you use ribbon, it looks like here. Yeah. yeah, so you could, you know, add as many pages as you wanted to just make it. So it can expand it, through the years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful project, and obviously have a fondness for all these projects that you decided to incorporate them into your book. But are there any other projects that you really just love? I mean, just projects that you are, have any other favorites? Um, you know, I have some favorites. Design-wise, but I have two. I think bring back the most memories. I have the the guitar pick case. I thought it was a pretty unique project. Yeah, and I've never I've, seen anything like that. Oh, thank so Actually, that was really cool. um, actually, I think these these two projects are my favorite because they relate back to the to the same memory. But um, I went to. I've gone a couple times to different craft schools. You know, the craft schools are really big on the East Coast. So I've been to. Penland twice, once as a student and once as an assistant. And then I've been to Haystack School of Crafts as an assistant, and then I went to Aramont just this last spring. And so in one uh, class, the instructor, um, Rini Breskin Adams, she's an amazing fiber artist. She's been one of my largest influences. She's just the funniest woman in the world. She, I mean, you just you just die. You have such a great time with her. You just laugh the whole time. Yeah. But there was a, a short assignment on stitching your favorite object, and so I stitched an egg. I couldn't think of anything else. And then I used it in the book. I ended up making the chicken and the egg napkin ring. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then at the same workshop, I ended up stitching a, a guitar pick case for my husband. And his is different. It has um, different memories of how we met and different symbols um, of things that, um, you know, are special to both of us. And then he was playing with his guitar pick case one day because he has a, a keychain that's leather. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, it would be so cool. I'll see if I'd try to do an embroidered one. So I was working on the book, and he had his guitar pick case. He's like, well, why don't you do one of these for the book? And I never really thought about it. And then it just hit me. It's like, well, duh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you'd already got, made one. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's actually his guitar, um, his backpack guitar in the picture. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And so and it looks like that you, you use to give it its uh, kind of, it, it, to give it kind of the form. Like, how did you come up, I mean, originally when you made him a guitar pick case, I mean, what made you, what inspired you to, to make that? I mean, had you ever seen anything like that? Well, it was on um, the leather one that he has on his keychain. Okay. It's in the shape of, of the pick. And then, um, and the little flap just kind of mirrors it. And actually, the one in the book, I try to, um, you know, really accentuate the fact that it's related to music. Right. And so they're little polka dots and then, and then music notes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really a cool idea. Thanks. Yeah. So you, what kind of feedback have you gotten? I mean, do you, do writer, I mean, do readers contact you? I mean, how, with the internet today, I'm not, I mean, not, I wonder if, you know, people are more apt to, to contact you and say, hey, I really like it. Yeah, I have, um, through my, through the hiptostitch.com website, um, there's a little section where people can email me, and I've had, you know, quite a few people um, get in touch with me. And actually, another thing is um, Teen Magazine asked me to embroider a pair of jeans. They were doing a whole article on, uh, like, embellished jeans. Yeah, I saw that tutorial. Yeah, it was really cool. So um, I embroidered orchids all up and down um, the side of a pair of jeans, and I got a lot of feedback on that. And actually last weekend, um, down at a mall in Denver, they had this back-to-school event called the Jean Scene. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the, the publicist, or no, I guess the marketing manager at this mall, uh, was familiar with my book and went to my website, and she just emailed me and said, you know, we're having this event. It's like a back-to-school thing. 
you know, would you like to come down? I said, oh, well, that's perfect because I have a pair of embroidered jeans that I had done for Teen Magazine. And so I brought those, and they had, like, a fashion show, and a girl modeled it, and I actually embroidered a sweatshirt that matches. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so... And, and so we sat around, and all afternoon we taught people how to stitch. And there was, I just remember one girl that stopped by. She was probably like 12 years old, but she went to a store, bought a pair of jeans, and then came and sat down with us so she could learn to stitch them right in front of us. Oh, and you know, and that's going to make you feel so good to inspire yeah. someone to, like, on the spot, yeah. go and find the stuff. And 12 is a great age to get into this. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, she yeah. said she wanted to be a fashion designer and go to school for that. And I don't know. She was so excited it, it like makes it all worth it you know <laughs> oh it sure does that's wonderful yeah. well so that yeah that's got to make you feel good to be able to you know inspire people like that and at a mall of all places too I think anybody who's worried about the youth of this country you know I, I, I think I relax a little bit when I see people doing constructive things like turning off their TVs so a young girl picking up some embroidery techniques at the mall I mean I think that's can there be anything better you know yeah and and it's so affordable. I mean, embroidery flasks cost nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I mean, especially when they go on sale. You can get several uh, little skeins for, you know, a dollar. So that's that's really great. Yeah. I mean, you seriously just need a needle and a 20-cent skein of thread. <laughs> now, what do you recommend, like, with this young girl? I mean, when there might be people listening who haven't done a lot of stitching, and they want to get started. And, of course, I'd recommend to them they start out by getting your book because I think it would be an inspiration for several projects. But what would you recommend that people start with? Uh, what first project would you uh, suggest to a person? Well, first I would just stick to learning one or two stitches. I mean, you can make some of the coolest things with just one or two stitches, and then that really keeps you from getting overwhelmed. If, yeah, if you're talking about the projects from my book, I really like those hair ties because they use, you know, just one or two stitches, and mm -hmm. you can play with the color any way you want. But um, what we did at this mall is we had these little scraps of jean fabric and just put, like, a sticky dot from the office supply store. Oh, yeah. You just stuck that onto a piece of jean, and people just use running stitch. I mean, you seriously just go in and out around the circle. And then they ended up with these really cool polka dots. And so that's what the girl was embroidering on her jeans, just these polka dots. And they were so easy, and they work up so fast. And then do you just get rip, pull that sticker off? Yeah, I just rip it off and move it and stitch it around it again. Oh, I, okay, so you're just using it as an outline. And yeah. So everything's uniform. Yeah, and, yeah, and like, uh, or double stick tape. Actually, when I... That's, um, a lot of times people get discouraged, I think, by trying to figure out the transfer method. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, how am I going to get this pattern onto my jeans and stuff? But a lot of times I just usually take my pattern, cut it out of paper, use double stick tape to put it on the material, and just stitch around it. That's a great tip. Yeah, and then if they're interior designs, then you just, you know, eyeball it, and then, then it's unique to your own anyways. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people don't give them themselves that creative license to just make it their own. You know, they look at directions and think, okay, it's wrong if it's not exact, but it's so great to hear you say as an accomplished artist that, you know, it's okay to just make it your own. You know, it doesn't have to be exact. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things I've learned while teaching, that you really get some people who get really, really nervous if their stitches aren't the exact perfect width or if they're not using the exact color number and I just try to really encourage people to just, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. And you then, know, it can be a little crooked, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's that's just the beauty of it. You know, I really like the project that you did where you actually embroidered a map, which I thought was fantastic. It's kind of to document if you go on a trip. And can you kind of talk a little bit about the, the kind of the thought behind that project? Yeah, um, that, that one's actually one of my favorites, too. I think I, when I first thought of that, I was working on the top of Mount Evans. I was working for the Forest Service, and I actually worked for them in the summers, probably uh, probably two or three years. And uh, one of the summers, I was a, like a, they called us interpreter. So we would go up and we'd give nature walks and talks and just kind of help people understand the land and, you know, teach them some of the flowers and tell them about the the animals that are often seen up there. And so the one in my book is of that area. It's of, of Mount Evans. I use different stitches to represent the different areas. So like some of them are trails, some of them are the rivers and the roads. And actually this is one of the projects that 
I demonstrated on the uncomment thread. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually made several samples since then of different road trips I've taken. Done ones of just the U.S. There's one that I really like that um, actually just sits directly on the paper for people who either want a super quick project or they, um, you know, they don't want to dive right into learning all the different embroidery stitches. There's one that I just took a uh, like a vintage map mm -hmm. and then embroidered right onto that. Wow. You can kind of map it out with stitches. Well, it's just really cool, and it's also, you know, anytime you go on a trip, a map is usually a key part of the trip, and that's really a great way to, you know, kind of honor those memories or just have fun. It adds so much interest. Uh, where a map, you know, we've all seen maps, but when you see an embroidered map, it gives it a whole new added sense of interest. In fact, I, I thought, geez, there's a lot of little segments of places I've been that I think I would love to embroider and use those as kind of a scrapbook type of application so it's really a great idea yeah maps are so cool and they're actually since working at interweave i've in piecework we featured embroidered maps from oh you know ones that are almost 100 to 200 years old wow yeah they're a type of samplers and actually one of the schools on the east coast part of the girls school lesson was to do a 3d embroidered map and so it's actually this 3D embroidered globe that's probably like five inches round. Oh, wow. And we have instructions on the Interweave website on the Piecework page. And it's, I mean, it shows you how to map out each section. It's almost like how you would cut an orange. Okay. <laughs> you embroider each segment and then sew them together. It's, it's really cool. Have you made one of those yourself? No, that's on one of those things on the list. Yeah, because that sounds like that would be a time-consuming undertaking, but it would be so cool to have yeah one. yeah well i think you could you can make it as you know hard or simple as you want and and a lot of them they incorporated actually parts of the ink drawing i mean you don't have to stitch every line i mean you can draw some of them out with those archival markers or paint them a lot of them were like painted i'm gonna try that project i'd like to try them all i like the ribbons that you did where you actually stitched onto the ribbon yeah those are really fun because they get really curly yeah <laughs> you have it so it's like a double-sided so your stitches are actually hidden on the back yeah yeah, a lot of times people worry about what the stitches look like on the back, but I just used some of the fusible, it's like that stitch witchery, they call it. And I just pretty much just used that to glue a piece of silk to the back of a piece of velvet ribbon. I mean, you can use that stuff to cover up. If you ever need, you know, a reversible project, you can always use fusible material to cover up your ugly stitches on the back. <laughs> Some people like to make the back of their stitching as pretty as the front. Yeah. How hung up are you on how your stitches look in the back? I'm not. I know a lot of people's grandmothers would hate to hear that, but I don't know. It's it just have fun with it, you know. To me, it seems like almost another thing. To, to intimidate people when it's really all about just, you know, like zoning out. Like we were talking about, you know, you just pop in a movie and just make something. I mean, it's good to just, just kind of go with it. Well, and I thought the ribbon idea, when I looked at that, I got some little labels printed up. They're machine embroidered when you get tags made for your products. Like oh, when yeah. I was weaving, I got these things made up. But I really have never really been happy with them, like, because my name is, like, ridiculously long. And <laughs> so the tag would be, like, huge, and you're trying to put it on a scarf, and it seems like it stretches across the entire thing. Yeah. But what I thought would be kind of cool, not if you're selling things, because if you're making tons of things to sell, making the hand embroidering every tag would be really time-consuming uh -huh. but if you're giving gifts to you know loved ones or friends at you know Christmas time to have a handmade tag made on this velvet ribbon I think it would be fabulous yeah and I think it's a cool way for recycling I mean you think of how much polyester or you know acetate plastic whatever that ribbon is that gets thrown in the trash yeah <laughs> you know and it's okay to re-gift <laughs> well especially with ribbon and I I mean I I save ribbon even if it's not hand embroidered, you know, I yeah. think it's a tragedy to throw perfectly good ribbon into the garbage. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that should be, there should be some kind of penalty for that, you know. But yeah, so, the, so this is a way to make a, a really lovely embellishment for a gift and then the person can use that again if they want to give something back to you, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you get it back for your birthday and you give it back to them when they have another birthday. Yeah, and you would hope that, I mean, obviously you want to be selective who you use this ribbon on because if you give it to somebody who doesn't understand that 
throwing it in the garbage would be really offensive, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have yeah you ever I had can't that? think of how many Christmases where I get the same gift bag that I got the year before or gave the year before. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had anybody, like, try to throw your hand-embroidered ribbon into the garbage? No. I I know who to give them okay. to and who yeah. not to. That's key. You know, like, you give them your girlfriends, not your guy friends. <laughs> right, because they'd be like, oh, you know, trying to get into the bag to see what it is and just kind of throwing... The, the ribbon aside yeah yeah and then you're like devastated you know yeah your way is great to just give it to the people who you think will appreciate it yeah yeah well I don't know if there's any other things that you'd like to you know, point out in your book anything that you know I, I know what seems what I want people to understand about it is that you know this is something that you give really great instructions you know basic stitches you talk about what types of things people need to get them started um, and even the transfer techniques you, you talk about, you cover those too, so people understand kind of the language of embroidery before they even get too far into the book. Uh -huh. So that's, that's really great to see that. So this is not something people should be intimidated about. It's something we all can do. Yeah, um, and, and even if you are a skilled embroiderer, there's, you know, a challenging project in there, the Stumpwork Butterfly. You create three-dimensional embroidery with with a piece of wire. Yeah, that is a fascinating project. And it's actually really easy, but if, I mean, if you need a slight challenge or just want to learn how to make anything three-dimensional, in there are 38 different stitch illustrations throughout, and you certainly don't need to use all those, but, um, you know, there's like a little index form in the front, but if even if you're working on something different, I mean, if you need to reference a, a stitch, I tried to create this as a you know, the, the go-to that if you have questions that there's information in the sidebar or you can always email me through my website. I mean, I just, I love talking to people about this stuff. Yeah, it is fun to have conversations and to hear what people are making. And going back to those hair ties you mentioned, I think those are really fun too. And those I definitely need to make for my girls are slow when it comes to hair growth. Uh, my two-year-old still is, you know, her hair is filling out, you know, but so she's a ways away from the ponytail or the hair tie you need, but it's a great way, it seems like, to use up, you know, a small scrap of fabric and kind of find a way to use, you know, test out some stitches. And how long would you say those pro the hair ties take to make typically? Well, like the one with the least amount of embroidery, I bet you could make it while watching a movie, mm -hmm. so two hours. Yeah, and maybe a good... Um, thing to put on a Christmas gift or in a stocking or something. Yeah, and um, they're the covered button forms that you just get at the fabric store. And yeah. so you don't have to thread the elastic through the back of the button. I mean, you can just put it on your clothes or on a little bag. Oh, yeah, actually, I have a little project with it on a bag. Yeah, just to show that, you know, they are just buttons. Yeah, and any button you can make a little hair tie with. That's how I got the idea. I had these really cool buttons that I got from my grandma, and I wanted to put them in my hair so you can just thread it with one of those little elastic bands. So you're just kind of looping it over the button, uh, the little plastic part in the back that's already ready to be sewn on to something? Is that how yeah. you're... Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I mean, it really can kind of take even a messy hairstyle and make it look so much better, you know, for the office. Yeah. You know, just kind of wad up your hair and put one of these fancy things on there, and people think, wow, she really went to uh, put a lot of effort in. Yeah. <laughs> At least into the stitching, right? Um, <laughs> well, I think that this is, uh, it, it's going to be really great to see what you do next. Um, do you have another book that you're working on now? Um, not yet. You're going to take a little breather? Yeah, I'm taking a little breather. Got married. Try to, try to enjoy a little free time before I dive back into being a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, well, it's. I look forward to your, your future projects. And I don't know if there's anything that I didn't ask you about, you know, your career so far. Um, you know, or any, I mean, I don't know if you have any advice for, for people that are looking to, you know, kind of get more, you know, dedicate more of their life into the arts. Um, is it something that, you know, you would recommend? And um, Yeah, uh, I would say to just try as many different things as possible. And um, do an internship or volunteer. I mean, you just need to get out there to meet more people. Like I did an internship with, um, her name's Jan Carson. She owns a company called Moon Lily. And she makes these amazing mobiles that are um, wire structures with um, silk leaves. And so I worked with her dyeing fabric and cutting the silk leaves and constructing these wire frames. And then uh, my brother-in-law is a blacksmith. I worked for him for a while, and I tried glass blowing. I mean, and you just, you know, just signing up for these different kind of classes, 
you just meet different people and you never know, you know, who's going to know who and what kind of connections you get. Like when I first went to Penland School Crafts the first time, I had no idea, but I took Rini's class, Rini Adams, and I d we just hit it off. And so then she asked me back to be her assistant three more times. So now wow. I've been lucky enough to be able to go to these different craft schools and um, just meet more people. So, you know, they're little connections with with people. I mean, it's amazing how quick the art world and the craft world, you know, gets really, really small. <laughs> that your circle will just, you know, continue to grow if you just keep an open mind and not afraid to try anything or not afraid to sign up for something that'll keep you up till three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that this stuff is really, um, but you know, that's the great part about it is if you love something so much that you will forego sleep and maybe a meal or two, you know, to get a project done. Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's, it's almost like there's some kind of, I don't know, in my experience, when I'm working on something and I'm really into it, it's almost like it's like this natural high, you know, where you're just like, like, wow, you're really, ex it's like you don't even pay attention to, you know, the, you know, things could crash down around you. And I know I personally, I get in the zone where I barely, you know, it's like they have to jolt me back to reality here. Yeah. Um, but it's, I just think it's wonderful if you can, find something that makes you that happy you know yeah. and it's completely legal completely you know for the most part pretty healthy except for the horrible foregoing sleep part that's not yeah. real healthy but um yeah affordable unless you start buying beads <laughs> yeah yeah and thankfully most beads you know it, well beads can add up too but oh um, yeah <laughs> but, but you know it's it's pretty fun and i noticed you even snuck some beads into your your book here yeah. Yeah, you have some beads. I know at least one project you have beads. The one that's a hand, the day tripper. Oh, actually, it's a couple because you have um, the uh, two bags, basically. The, the bead bag. Um, you call it the radiant beaded bag. Yeah, and that, that one um, was an example of how you, if you take any pattern you like, and it was actually using the pattern from the embroidered ribbon project, mm -hmm. that if you like a pattern, just, you know, transfer it onto fabric and play around with different materials and uh, Amy Clark Moore, she's a um, really great uh, bead embroiderer, and she's the editor of Spinoff that I first interned under. She actually in, um, beaded that for me. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's just really great. It gives people so many ideas of what they can do with embroidery, because I think a lot of times people think, oh, embroidery is like probably not people who listen to this show, because I think all of us who are into the arts have an appreciation for several different art forms, but I think, you know, the mainstream public might think embroidery is this, like, you know, old woman's thing where it's, like, a sampler of, like, the ABCs, and, well, that could be fun, especially when you have young kids like me. I wouldn't mind doing a sampler of the ABCs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think people realize sometimes just what, I mean, just, you can go everything from Teen Magazine wanting you to embroider jeans. I mean, so, something that, you know, teenagers are into to, um, some of the more traditional, you know, things that people might, th you know, remember their grandmothers doing. So it's really just wonderful to see you kind of bring it all together in a book and give people just a great way to, you know, jump off. You know, it's a good jumping off point to get out there and, and pick up their needles and get going on a project. And it's so portable, which is great, too, because you can just, do you, do you find that you stitch everywhere? I mean, do you bring stuff with you everywhere, pretty much? Yeah, I usually always have a project in my bag. Like when I stitched those jeans, I was in the airport. I can remember that. That's oh, yeah. the fun part is when you look at a project and you can think of the exact, like, movie you were watching or the music you were listening to or where you were. It's just a cool connection. Yeah, and so what, what, it, what project is in your bag right now? Um, right now I'm actually making a hair tie for a friend. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. You know, and genealogy is really hot right now. I mean, a lot of people are into researching their, you know, their roots. Right. And I think that's another cool thing about handwork, not just embroidery, but knitting and all crafts is, I mean, a lot of people really do think of their grandparents. I mean, my mom is definitely um, an inspiration because she does handwork too, but a lot of people, it seems like, at least for my friends, it almost skipped generation. Like their moms don't do it, mm -hmm. but their grandmothers do. Right, right. And so it's good to get back to, you know, find some of those things. And if you can find old patterns and old... I know I love picking up the things that my great-grandmother made. And uh, we actually have a dress in my family that was crocheted 
my mother wore it. Her grandmother made it for her, and when she was a baby, she wore it in a photo, her six-month photo. And then my mother put all three of my sisters and I, all of us, in that for our six-month photo. And then I have had both my daughters photograph in that dress in their six-month photo. My sister also used it for her daughter. So oh, it's, that's so cool. It's a family heirloom, and it's such a wonderful tradition. And I love that at the center of it is something that's handmade. And so it's really great. Do you have people in your family beyond your mom that were into embroidery? Yeah, actually, I think one of the coolest things is it would be my, I think, great-grandmother or maybe great-great-grandmother. But her wedding dress was lace and embroidery. Oh, wow. And, or I guess it was, yeah, embroidery on net, like on tulle. And somebody cut the dress up into different sections and made handkerchiefs for the, for the younger generations to wear, you know, it's like, you know, how people usually have a traditional, like, handkerchief on their wedding day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To do that. Yeah. Um, so everyone in the family, I think there's like three or four of these handkerchiefs that got passed down. And so I actually had one, I wore one at my wedding, and I showed it to my aunt, and I thought she was just going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool that, I mean, you know, that I think she's just so flattered that we would appreciate that and see that connection to the past. But well, that's, an, that's a big part of handwork. Well, and that's the absolute dream that I think all of us have when we're stitching things, that you hope, you don't know what's going to happen, you know, after you, you know, we're old ladies and we kick off someday. Hopefully we all get to live to be well over a hundred and stitching still. But you know, you hear the stories like someone has a relative die and then they throw out everything or give it to Goodwill, you know. Yeah. And and that's just like a nightmare to me. Yeah. I mean it's like I gasp, you know. Yeah. And, and even I've been at estate sales and you see like like handwork for sale to strangers and I'm just thinking, Oh geez, I hope someone who really appreciates this gets it. Because it almost feels like inappropriate, you know, for me to like take this from a stranger, you know, but you hope that, you know, these things that we make are appreciate it and I, so I think when we do celebrate the things that our ancestors made it's you know just so cool to see the preservation of history and family history and to be connected to people who are so talented it's really really interesting to see that so did you hand embroider your dress at all no I didn't but I I, d- I did make several other things for the wedding me just I let's see the the most memorable I guess one was for the guest book the they had a front opening window on the cover, mm-hmm. and so I monogrammed our initials. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it, it didn't take too long because I had so much other stuff I kind of wanted to get done. But Yeah, it was a nice touch, though. Yeah. And personalizes it. Yeah, it was fun. And it's funny because the way our initials work out, if you look at them upside down, it almost looks like the exact same. It's really strange. Really? Yeah, it's pretty funny. So everyone's like, is this thing upside down? I'm like, no, but, you know, check it out. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And so what are his initials then? Well, let's see. Um, his are JW, and so if you write it in cursive and you flip it upside down, it looks like an MB. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you make the J, like, really, uh, you know, like a cursive. Script. Yeah. <laughs> script. <laughs> well, that's cool. So yeah. now you guys can have some kind of funky symbol. Yeah, well, we were going to try to get, like, a stamp made. But it didn't quite work out. Yeah, I was hoping to embroider a jacket, like a little cover-up jacket, but someday. <laughs> yeah, someday. Add that to your list of a million projects. Someday yeah. Too. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I think it's been really wonderful. Many thanks to Melinda for sharing her story with us and inspiring us with her wonderful book, Hip to Stitch, 20 Contemporary Projects Embellished with Thread. And as I said earlier, Interweave is donating two copies of the book that Melinda has agreed to personalize to the winners. So in order to win, this is fairly simple. All you have to do is show us what you're stitching. You can either make something simple, embroider something, or take a picture of a project you've already done, snap a picture, email it to jennifer at craftsanity.com, that's me, and I'll put you in the random drawing, and Abby's going to draw a winner. We're going to give you until Monday, October 2nd, to get those entries in. So if you don't have anything hand-stitched and you have to do some stitching, you have some time. So enjoy it, have fun. I'll post all the entries on the website so we can see what everyone's working on. Just a reminder, check out craftsanity.com for the PDF download of the embroidered ribbon project. And a special thanks to Amanda 
for making a donation to the show last week. I really appreciate it, especially now that I'm kind of standing at a crossroads myself. I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately, trying to figure out how to lead the craftiest, most authentic life I can and to really put myself in a situation where I can excel. So I haven't made any decisions yet, but I'm getting to that point where... Something's got to give, and I'm certainly not going to quit craft insanity. If I have anything to say about it, I'm going to keep doing this. And, you know, I appreciate all the support, all the, the great emails that I get, and having the connection with people through our artistic endeavors. I really am so thankful for that. So I'm going to keep you guys posted. And I'm also going to turn to Dr. Seuss, because I think Dr. Seuss is always an inspiring resource for me. I just read my daughter, Oh, the Places You'll Go, last night. And it starts out, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off in a way. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know. And you are the guy. I'll substitute gal here who decide where to go. And I'll just stop there. But I'm not trying to get all poetic here on you guys. But I think sometimes we all need to be reminded that we're never too old to make a change in our lives. And it's easy to become complacent sometimes. We compromise and we get used to having things be so-so. It's like, you know, you go into work and you know what to expect, but you're not feeling like you're really fully alive. You know, I've interviewed so many inspiring people and, and and I need to practice what I preach. You know, I'm telling us all, you know, reminding us every week to craft sanity, my friends. And so you know, and I do, I, that is my coping strategy with anything else in my life that's stressful. But I think I'm going to hopefully very soon make some changes. So I'll be crafting sanity more. So yeah, so wish me luck as I figure all this out. And thanks to all my guests, past, present, and future for inspiring me to to get out there and see if I can fly just like you guys are. So And so all you folks at home that are feeling like me, like we got to make a change and we got to do it now. Um, there is a sense of urgency. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, we can't predict the future. So it's so important to to seize every opportunity that comes up or create one for yourself. You know, craft sanity didn't exist a year ago. I made this myself. It makes absolutely no money. Um, <laughs> um, it's, I mean, this is not like a successful venture really in that sense financially, but it's been wildly successful as far as I'm concerned with just being able to meet some fabulous people. So Anyway, I better get going. Craft sanity, my friends, no matter what. And uh, check out that book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. You'll like it, trust me. All right, that's it. I'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.